everybody. It's Frank Farrell at Custom Video Productions. Today we have Pete Schreier here for from SEM Geeks. And uh, as you all know, you're turn, tuned into the podcast called Video Marketing and Mayhem. So welcome, Pete. Uh, Pete, tell me a little bit about yourself and how uh, how you got involved in uh, in what you do. Thanks for having me, Frank. So yeah, like you said, my name is Pete Schauer, the marketing director here at SEM Geeks. Uh, SEM Geeks, we're a full-service digital marketing agency located in Belmar at the shore here in Monmouth County. Uh, I've been here for, I think it's going on seven years now. So uh, it's been a good ride. Um, yeah, no, uh, you know, I have a professional communication degree from William Patterson University. Um, you know, originally started out trying to be a journalist sports journalist uh specifically and uh i worked for bleacher report for a little while um you know they got acquired by turner so that kind of opened my eyes to some of the bigger picture in terms of uh digital advertising uh even while i was doing some sports writing i kind of got a chance to see that advertising side of things um and i saw you know things going both ways there i saw sports journalism starting to die and i saw the digital advertising side start to grow uh and that kind of piqued my interest um, and, you know, made me switch career paths in terms of my degree, went back for a master's degree, um, you know, in professional communication, which kind of led me down the path of digital media, um, which led me to LinkedIn, which, uh, led me to reaching out to, to Martin from SEM Geeks, uh, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And the rest is kind of history. Been here ever since. And so you had a, a long, long, uh, journey into, uh, social media marketing and uh, providing value to clients. So uh, tell me, t- take me back to day one. What was the day when you walked into this place and uh, were you, were you petrified or were you uh, somebody who was like, I got this? Yeah, no, day one, uh, day one was good. I was definitely not, I wasn't petrified, you know, a little nervous. My first, uh, you know, real career job or, or career that I thought I wanted it to be. Um, but no, no, definitely not petrified, you know, walked into uh, a really laid back environment. You know, I think uh, when I started here, we were probably less than 10 people. Um, you know, we were all upstairs and in, in this unit um, across from where we are right now. So, you know, you can kind of picture just, you know, uh, 10 people huddled around in a unit like that. And uh, it was good. I, I was I was working on a lot of different things my first six months. You know, I was... Uh, working on everything from content writing. We were actually redoing our site for SEM Geeks at that time. Uh, so I was writing a lot of the content for our new site, you know, having that content background. Um, but, you know, I started to get trained in, you know, some of the paid advertising, right? So I had seen it uh, a little bit, but I never knew the actual back end of how it worked or, you know, what it looked like on the back end. I only saw the front end of it as a consumer. So, you know, being able to see that, um, get trained in, you know, how that's built, but also the strategy behind it. You know, how do how do those ads show to people? How do you actually get an ad to show to somebody who, you know, is showing a little bit of intent uh, to purchase or to fill out that form? So getting trained in that, um, but, you know, just getting trained and, and kind of getting my hand in everything, you know, um, email marketing, social media. Um, you know, I was kind of a little bit of a Swiss Army knife of just filling gaps here, filling gaps there. You know, we were a small team, um, you know, who were trying to, to get in front of, you know, decent sized clients. So we kind of just needed to do whatever we needed to do to, to get in front of those clients. And, you know, that's kind of how everything happened. So I noticed when I walked in here, um, there are, there are a lot of people that work here, a little bit surprising. So we're here in, uh, basically Belmar, New Jersey. 
in uh, this kind of tucked away kind of, I would say it's somewhat of a bedroom community at the mm-hmm. Jersey Shore. Yep. But it's surprising to walk in here and see so many people at so many terminals all working towards the goal of promoting people's business. How many people work here on a regular basis? Uh, I would say about 25, give or take. Um, you know, that's a mixture of of pretty much majority full-time, you know, salaried employees here. Um, but, you know, we do have a really good internship program here. Um, so we do go out to a lot of the local colleges. We have a lot of relationships, you know, whether it be Mammoth, whether it be Ryder or Rutgers, you know, uh, I can probably go on forever in terms of school names. But, uh, you know, we do have a really good internship program here, um, fall, spring, summer interns. And a lot of those interns have actually turned into full-time employees, uh, which is great. So we invest a lot of time in our interns. Um, you know, it's not some BS internship. You're not pulling staples. You're not getting coffee. You know, you're you're getting pulled into projects that, you know, we're working on as a team. So you get a lot of ground-up experience. And the goal is, again, we're investing a lot of time. Um, and we want that time to be more than just four months. So, um, you know, we really try to train people for the next step and what their career could be after they graduate. So the whole reason why I finally uh, decided on doing a podcast is to educate the small business owner uh, what it takes to invest in in advertising and the value of advertising, whether you they're using video or social media. So there's so many fragmented areas where you can spend your money. And as a small to medium-sized business owner, sometimes, you know, the traditional ways are, are, have faded away. I was going to say starting to fade away, but they've already faded away. Like the day of putting a couple of heads in a newspaper or ads, uh, in a, the yellow pages are long gone. Mm -hmm. And, um, so it's, uh, it's a new journey for, for business owners that have been in business for many, many years. And uh, it's sort of like, well, what, what's happened, you know? So so most like a date, David and Goliath. So the small guy could look like the big guy, and the yeah. big guy is becoming almost irrelevant because yep. the small guy uh, f- has figured it out because the small guy's younger than the bigger guy. So how do you bridge that gap? How do you educate somebody who is pre- and spending their money on advertising but using in a sense, the traditional ways of advertising. How is it that um, that what you do is now relevant, and what was in the past is completely irrelevant? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with just kind of looking at at their market, at their vertical, and just looking at who's who's a consumer. You know, who's buying from them, and has that consumer changed with with the times in terms of how we market to them? You know, uh, our is you know is in an older demographic of a customer maybe they're still using the phone book if they're not they're probably on social media they're on google right so i think it starts with identifying those personas of who you're trying to sell to or who you know who your customer is and you're going to have more than one persona you know what i mean more than likely you're you're not just selling to the same demographics same age range especially for you right i mean anyone you know a lot of people need video from younger companies to older established companies and the way that they find you or the way that they look for you could be different between the two but i think where we're at you know in this day and age it's it's google right it's facebook it's social media so i think it starts with looking at how people yeah, are Pete, trying to I'm, find I'm, you. I'm an old guy i don't want to do all that <laughs> crap i just want to hire somebody who's an expert at that but the reality is is that if you're not you know if you're not involved in not doing it it it's almost shocking to find out that 
there's no there's, you're just losing ground yeah. and you're losing the opportunities and but you know me somebody who started in 1978 you know I'm comfortable doing those old things and comfortable yeah. you know doing yeah. the traditional thing but I'm also very uncomfortable of going where's the business how how come people if we're so good at, if my company custom video productions is so good at what we do why isn't my phone ringing off the hook? And I'll tell you, it doesn't ring anymore. We now have to use, obviously, social media to get the word out there. And um, I still, you know, it's still kind of uh, is almost disturbing or shocking or frustrating. I'm like, God, what I used to do worked so well, and now it, it's meaningless. And, you know, why should I have these young people kind of convince me to spend a bunch of money on something that I don't understand? Yeah, I think uh, I think you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable, uh, and you know I feel like we've yeah, probably had, <laughs> we've probably had that discussion you and I, and and I've probably said that to countless clients over the last few years who are in the same boat as you. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it used to be easier. You could just put your ad out in, in the phone book and sit back and wait for phone calls. But there were probably also a lot, a lot less video companies out there. There was probably a lot less competition. That's one thing. Uh, two, the means to actually get your business out there are a lot simpler now. You know, even though they may seem more complex, there's more avenues to do it. There's not just one phone book anymore. There's not just you know one uh, bench or, or billboard in town that that's going to get the most impressions. You know, there's a million channels out there, um, and that's that's what's made it a lot more difficult. I think for people to kind of accept. So I think, you know, you've got to, again, you've got to look at how people are coming into you. And, and I think that starts with, you know, some of the third party tools that are out there, you know, keyword search tools, right? The most intent you're going to find is somebody going to Google and, and searching for a keyword related to what you do. So if I'm a consumer right now and I'm going to Google and I'm searching for, you know, uh, commercial video company, professional video production company, whatever that term is, and I'm searching that in Google, especially if I'm putting in like a near me search tail on that. So video production company near me, they're looking for that right now and they're looking for local. And I think that's where it starts. I continually get asked like, well, what's the relevancy of doing all this? You know, this is how we, we've done it for the last 40 or 50 years. Why should we, why should we make a video? Why should we spend any time in, um, doing SEO. And what happens is what I see is they'll hire some young person fresh out of college to start doing quote unquote, quote unquote social media. Mm -hmm. The problem I see sometimes is, is that they're, they don't understand this, the company culture yeah. where a company like yours will come in and take the time to understand that they're, they're in a sense perpetuating or echoing their, their, they're continuing on with that, that the brand voice, the brand yeah. voice. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's a great point. I mean, and, and listen, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not an easy thing to get down. It's not just, you know, we meet with a client once and all of a sudden, you know, we're their in-house team and we know what they want to say. It, it takes time. You know what I mean? Uh, when we, when we meet with clients, especially if we're managing their social media, um, you know, a lot of clients ask us to manage the social media because they don't have the time. Right. Um, and we understand that. So that's how we can fill that gap. But we'll be very transparent up front and saying like, hey, you know, we don't work with you day to day. We're not in house with you. We're not in office with you. So it may take a few months for us to get that tone down. But there are, there are ways around that. You know what I mean? We, we put together content calendars and we work on that content with the client. 
we have brand questionnaires where we get an idea of, you know, do you want to, or are you the Mercedes Benz of your industry or are you the Honda? You know, so there's different questions. There's different things we can ask to really get to the bottom of, you know, what kind of brand voice they want to portray. So, um, and again, to reiterate, (laughs) the reason why I figured I'd start doing this podcast is because to answer those questions to an, in a sense, an older audience of the reason, the, the reasons why, like what's the value of all that and what's the return on that? So we've talked about, in a sense, the reason why you should be doing this. And maybe some people are listening to this going, yeah, that's, you know, that's obvious. And that was, we started that process 10 years ago, but there's still, I'm running into people that are like, well, you know, they're, they're still questioning love, like why should they even start you know, spending that kind of money mm-hmm. on the unknown. So how do you, how do you, in a sense to them, convert them over from the old school of thinking and how do you justify what you're, what you charge? Yeah, I think the the way that we go about that is, you know, we said jumping into the unknown, but you know, that's, that's where I think digital really differs from tr- traditional because it's not unknown. You know, we can do really great forecasting. We can do really great projecting that's actually pretty accurate. And we can actually tell you, hey, for this budget, here's what we expect for you to get in return. Um, You know, it's it's simple math in terms of what the cost per click might be. And how do we find that out? Well, there's tools that are out there. You know, it's it's information. This industry, there's this many advertisers advertising for this term. And if we want to show in this, this, you know, geography, this is the average cost per click we're going to pay. Now, do we know down to the penny? Maybe not, but we know within, you know, a 50 to 75 cent window, what that what that click is going to cost you um you know we can then take that and say okay for this budget divide that by the the cost per click this is how many clicks you're going to get per month and if we convert those people meaning if you know if we get them to fill out a form if we get them to click a phone number uh so they call you or they fill out a form you know that's a lead we can tell you if if you convert at three percent and you have x number of clicks coming through you're going to get this many leads per month and, you know, you spent $1,000 and you got, you know, uh, 10 leads, that's $100 a lead. Um, and we can actually project that out for you and, and come up with a strategy for that. If that doesn't hit, you know, the, the cost per acquisition goal or that's not living up to expectations, there's ways for us to change that around. So walk me through a success story where somebody came to you and said, man, we're, we're losing traction in the industry I'm not sure exactly what you offer or what you do, but I was told that we should probably be talking to you. Uh, so take me through um, that journey of someone coming here and going, well, why should I hire you? Why should I hire? Why should I even consider doing this? Because it seems awfully expensive and something I clearly don't understand. But I, everything I hear, read, and the media saying, you know, this is, this is the future of getting new business. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we had uh, we had a client refer us to a friend of his uh, years back, and uh, you know they were a B two B company um, in the construction industry. You know, building uh, fields for schools, turf fields, uh, running tracks, things like that. Um, you know, now that industry is primarily based on RFPs, so it was a lot of manual work for them. Um, you know, if they wanted to get new clients, of course, a lot of it was through referral, right? You know, and that's every industry. You do a good job. People are going to take notice. They're going to want to refer you to friends, family, uh, and contacts. But with this client, you know, like I said, they always had to go out to RFP uh, if they wanted to try to drive new business that wasn't referral based. 
Um, you know, so we had to sit down, you know, without going through every detail, you know, we kind of showed them that people are actually looking for them on Google, maybe not their company specifically, but people are looking for, you know, running track builders, um, you know, turf field builders, construction for my running track. And, you know, these are, these are B2B companies. These are municipalities looking to get, you know, the school's track done. Uh, these are schools, these are college universities, ma major college universities uh, who are actually searching for this stuff on Google. Um, so we kind of, you know, showed them that data. Hey, this is how many people a month are actually looking for what you do. Here's what this would cost for you to actually get in front of these people. And, you know, when you show somebody that that type of data, uh, it's pretty eye-opening, you know, and it sounds kind of obvious, but, you know, uh, if I put in front of you, you know, how many people are looking for what you do every month and give you a cost and say, hey, you know, if you want to hit 80, 90% of these people in New Jersey who are looking for you, here's what it's going to cost. But it almost sounds too good to be true. And again, they're coming from doing traditional ways of advertising. So how did you eventually convert them over? And then when did they start seeing results? Yep. So... I mean, in terms of converting them over, actually, it wasn't that difficult. You know what I mean? It's They knew they had to do something. They knew they had to do something. And, and again, you put data in front of somebody like that and you show them what's out there. You know, th this wasn't data we made up. It wasn't data that, you know, we manipulated. It was just, hey, simple Google keyword planner. This is how many people are looking for what you do every month. This is the cost per click, the average cost per click that other advertisers who are also showing for this are paying. And, you know, we said, hey, let's start with a modest budget. Um, you know, we did that. We built them a landing page actually, because their site wasn't up to par for what we were, you know, uh, convinced it would convert at, you know, and I think that's the second part of it. You can have a great advertising campaign, but if where we're sending that traffic doesn't look the part, it's not going to convert. So we really took the time to build them out a page that, that made them look like the company that they were, you know, they came into one of the meetings talking about, these big clients that they have that they've built, you know, beautiful facilities for. And one of the first things that we did was look at their site and say, well, you know, show us wh where is that on your website right now? And, you know, it's just so kind obviously of that was silence. that wasn't evident with what they had existing already. It was evident in, you know, a, a Dropbox folder that they had of assets, but nowhere on the website that the public could see. So we built them, you know, a standalone landing page and we said, hey, let's the keywords that we're going to advertise for, let's send those people to this page. Let's show them that beautiful facility you built. Let's put a contact form right there above the fold. Let's have your phone number. Let's show awards. Let's show your warranty process. Really just transparently show them, you know, the value that you guys offer. Um, and, you know, when I tell you that they started to see results the same month that we launched the campaign, I'm, you know, I'm not kidding you. Um, so we launched that campaign. And, you know, within a few weeks, they were getting leads and quality leads, you know, and again, not every lead that comes through is going to be perfect. You know, if it was, uh, you know, I don't know if we'd be on this podcast right now. I'd probably be retired on an <laughs> island right now somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they they drove really good quality leads. Uh, and, you know, that partnership expanded from just us dipping their toe into digital marketing, running, you know, what I would call a modest paid search campaign with a landing page to, you know, us starting to take over more of their digital, managing their social media, understanding that brand voice that we talked about before and how they wanted to convey their message to their consumers, um, you know, to us doing their emails and actually rebuilding their entire site um, from the ground up a, f a few years later. So when a, when a company actually says, no, we're, we're going to get uh, this new person um, that we just hired out of college to do everything, 
What's what's your suggestion or advice about that? Because I've seen it happen so many times where I end up talking to that person and they are burnt out. They are fried because they're asked to do to produce a video, they're asked to produce a podcast, they're asked to do social media, they're asked to go to meetings, and that young person is just pulled in so many directions that nothing gets traction. It's just like a like they're spread out too thin. Yeah, it's just not a realistic uh, mindset to have to think that everything's going to get accomplished by one person. And and in no way, shape, or form am I saying that you know one person can't get a good amount done, but uh, you know if they don't have the experience, um, you know if they haven't worked on projects like that in the past or been able to juggle that many projects, it's it's going to be difficult. And you know. As much as, you know, you might want to kind of cut corners because of finances, because of budget, because you don't know if it works. Listen, that's that's perfectly fine. But I think the a big mistake that I see, you know, clients or prospects make is they want to do everything right now in this moment. And we all do. You know, I mean, if 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 that was plausible, um, you know, again, we'd probably all be in better spots. But I think you kind of need to pick and choose your areas of what's going to drive the most in first. You know, so if you're looking at doing a new website or running and running pay-per-click and managing your social media, you know, we're going to sit back and prioritize and say, okay, based on the goals, the expectations you might have based on the budget that we're working with, you know, us as an agency, us as strategists, we need to say what's going to drive the most impact or value or return for you right now for the best budget. And, you know, in that scenario, it would probably be let's run the pay-per-click campaign. Uh, let's get, a, you know, a nice looking landing page built out. It's going to be a lot quicker and a lot more, you know, budget friendly to build a, a standalone landing page. than it is for us to redo a whole website right now. And, you know, let's let's get ads in front of people who are actually looking for your services right now. And that's kind of how we would attack that. So so you've, you've turned somebody in a sense from traditional advertising into modern advertising and uh, <clears throat> where are you at with them now? Like how, how long has that journey been? So I almost look like it's almost like going to the gym. You're not going to become fit and in shape mm-hmm. in a few days. It's, this is a long, long journey. And um, what you do for them is you help them, you facilitate that journey. How long is that journey? And when, when do people typically see results? It's a good question. Uh, I mean, with that client, like I said, I mean, pretty, pretty quickly they saw results. Now, is that going to be, you know, the case for every client? I mm-hmm. wish it was, um, but it's not. And, you know, that, that journey is still going with them. You know, um, you know, we're still learning, we're still testing things change in their industry, you know, uh, warranties, uh, become a big thing for them. You know, there's maintenance and repair. So it's not just all about new client acquisition. It's making sure that we're staying in front of, clients who, you know, maybe they built something for five or 10 years ago, um, who maybe need to get something resurfaced or they need to get something repaired, or we want to stay in front of them, you know, with really good content about how they can maintain that track or that field so that they don't need to have maintenance done or something like that. So I think that that journey is always going. Um, and if, you know, of course it depends on the industry. Um, but, Depending on the strategy, I mean, you can see results pretty quickly. You know, if it's if it's a paid campaign, a paid search campaign on Google where people are looking for you, I'm pretty confident in telling you that you're going to see results pretty quickly within weeks of launching that campaign. Could be days within launching of that campaign. 
Um, you know, if it's something like search engine optimization, that's that's just a longer term strategy. You know, we're trying to tweak the algorithms in Google to get your site to show higher. We're trying to manipulate the search engine. So it's not as, you know, black and white, cut and dry as a paid campaign uh, where we're, you know, paying for these search terms to be in front of people a lot higher on the page. Um, but those, you know, those result lengths can vary. And I think that's where, you know, we really want to get the goals up front and the timeline, you know, um, of course, nobody wants to wait months or years for results and, and they shouldn't have to. Um, but we want to be very clear up front and saying, hey, you know, where's what's your mindset at right now? What are your goals? And are they short term goals? Are they long term goals? And are they both? You know, um, where do you want to be in three months versus where do you want to be in five years? You know, are you looking to grow this company by a certain percentage or are you just looking to maximize the hell out of it and you want to sell it in five years? You know, either one's fine with us, but as long as we know that up front and we know what we're working with, that allows us to lay out, you know, a strategy that's going to get them there. Understood. Interesting. So <clears throat> once somebody, in a sense, starts this journey, they they can't give up. And again, I use the, the analogy of like going to the gym. If you want to look fit and, and be in shape, it's a lifelong commitment. Yeah, I've been trying that for, for a <laughs> long time. It's still not working. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a lifelong commitment. I mean, it, it sounds, uh, it sounds a lot scarier than yeah, it's it is. Almost overwhelming. It's not, it, yeah, it does sound overwhelming now that I'm hearing it out loud. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, the problem is that it's always changing. You know, you can't, it's, you can't build a website and hope for the next 20 years, it's going to serve the same purpose it did the first six months you had it. You know what I mean? That's because technology changes the way that people browse websites, so the there's no no set and forget. It's it's no, it's basically not. like you're tending the garden. I always say you're picking out the weeds and planting the new seeds, mm -hmm. and you're watching things eventually grow. You got to cultivate it, and so and that's a never ending process. If you want to look, if you want to have curb appeal when yeah. somebody's looking for your product or service, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, a big part of that is just trying to stay, you know, on top of trends and changes. You know, right. and, and that's. One thing we try to ed educate our clients on or, or be mindful of is just, hey, this stuff is always changing. And we want to make sure that we're putting that in front of our clients and making sure they know, you know, the new technologies that are out there, new social media channels, new devices, the way people browse things. You know, uh, Facebook's trying to get you to not even leave Facebook now. You know, you can order food from there. You can pay people from there. You can fill out a lead form from there. You know, there's there's so many things you can do on one channel now without ever having to leave. And that keeps them in the ecosystem. And, you know, that's that's kind of where things are heading. So, again, for me as a small business owner, part of it is like, oh, my God, this is overwhelming. How am I going to, you know, how am I going to digest all this? And um, yet, you know, you, you can attempt to do it yourself or you can uh, utilize a service of, of, a, of what your team provides. And I know it, this might sound like, like, oh, my God, when, when was this podcast done? <laughs> you know, 1980. <laughs> but the reason why I decided, again, decided to do this because I still have clients that come to me and go, well, why should we even do that? This is, we're continuing to do it this way. But I, they're getting nervous because they're, they're clearly, you know, sort of seeking out um, other ways to, to promote their business. And I, I keep on telling them that they have to make an investment 
and have some sort of digital strategy. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's why I wanted to do this. So so any young person is like, this is old news. They're like, of course you got to do that. But for somebody who's 40, 50, 60 years old, they're, they're still, some of them are still resistant to like, we don't have that kind of money. We're not, we're not going to do those things. But then again, they're, you know, they're wondering why their uh, share of the market is, 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 right. is eroding and slowly going away. Yeah. And I mean, you, you mentioned something there of just like, we don't have that, that kind of money, you know, uh, I would love to know what, what kind of money people think they need to have a digital strategy, because in my experience, um, you know, traditional, depending on what it is, you know, that's not the cheapest form of advertising either. And, and again, you know, I'm not against traditional advertising. I would actually, you know, say we've probably talked more traditional advertising in the last year and a half than we have in the last you know, five and a half years before that, that I've been here. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely still space for really good traditional advertising. I think as long as it's targeted, um, and it's somewhat trackable or measurable, um, but just going back to the price, you know, I think the best part about a lot of the, the services and a lot of the digital strategies that we work on are that they are very controllable from a budgeting standpoint. Um, you know, this isn't a billboard that you're prepaying for three months and, you know, you're out that cash and you're hoping that it comes back in. You know, you run a paid ad on Google with us, right? Yes, we're saying, hey, we'd love to get a budget commitment for the month because that way we know what we can allocate toward the campaigns. But midway through the month, something happens, you hit a financial snag, things just aren't up to par, we click the pause button and, you know, the the money stops being spent. So that's, you know, again, just going back to the pricing question, I'd love to to just poll people and, and maybe just get get a feeling for what people think digital costs. But, you know, is it is it going to be the cheapest investment you've ever made? Probably not, but it's also, you know, you get what you pay for. You know what I mean? So you put in what you hope to get out of it. Um, and in this case, you know, you're putting in, you're hoping to get out a lot more. And I think you will, but it does take time to really understand the strategy, you know, who you're trying to hit. And I would say, too, you know, it is going to take some work from the client's end. You know, as much as we love to just run the ads, you know, we need our clients to buy in on, you know, you still got to answer the phones. You still got to have a process internally to actually close these leads. We can drive them in. Um, You know, we're not closing them for you. (laughs) We're not answering the phones on your end. We're not responding to the lead forms. Um, So, you know, you'd be surprised how many conversations we have to have with people and, and make sure that they understand, hey, you know, your investing could be 10 grand for a quarter, could be 50 grand for a quarter. Not saying that that's everyone, but, you know, again, it's an investment, right? So if you don't have your processes done internally, you're pouring money down the drain. You know, if you're just going to let leads sit there of somebody who filled out a contact form and not get back to them and then come back to me and complain that you didn't get any business out of it, you know, I'm going to be pretty quick to tell you or turn it back on you and say, well, what's your, you know, what's your lead process? Does this go into a CRM? Are you guys tracking every lead that came through? Who followed up with this person? You know, it's just typical questions we're asking, you know, to try to validate the leads that came through. Understood. So, um, so you just described a success story with this past client. You, you've taken them from, in a sense, traditional advertising to modern advertising, which is utilizing all the skills and things that your team does. Uh, where are they at today? Are they they're continuing to use you? And yep. 
yep. they're continuing to grow and they see the value in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, definitely still doing a great job. Um, you know, them as a business, a lot of the campaigns we're running, you know, still do a great job. Um, you know, I think we've kind of opened their eyes to the importance of just having a digital presence, but really educating the consumer, you know, so we're seeing them actually put out really good content on their own now of just making sure that, you know, they're, they know the right times to hit the consumer. Hey, it's winter time. Here's how to prep, you know, your equipment for the cold weather. Um, you know, they're doing this on their own now. And, and that's something we really take pride in is educating our clients and then actually watching them, you know, honestly do some of it on their own and, and succeed. Excellent. So, you know, <laughs> let's talk about the mayhem part. So, uh, are there any clients that come across your mind that you were like, oh my God, this is, uh, you know, this is, uh. Uh, either a huge challenge or a, a major disaster. What is what is some of the the mayhem part of the business? <clears throat> yeah, no, uh, we've definitely had you know we definitely deal with those cases. I mean, I think some of the more consistent mayhem trends I would say are just unrealistic expectations. Um, you know, maybe somebody ran an ad five years ago, and you know they're saying, well, we used to get leads at ten dollars a lead you know, and, and we want that cost per acquisition now. Um, and you know, it's times change, you know, I mean, channels change, there's more competition. Um, I think that's, that's one of the biggest challenges is when somebody comes to you with a very specific goal of cost per acquisition or certain number of leads per month, or just, you know, a certain metric they want to hit. We're all for getting those goals and expectations down at, at the front end of the project, but it's also our job to come back and say, you know, that's just, that's not realistic, you know, and, and it's going back to before when we were talking about projections and forecasting, you know, we can reverse engineer that. And, and if somebody wants to come, come to us and say, Hey, you know, we want to get leads at $10 a lead, but we only want to spend X amount per month, or we only have, you know, this, we'll come back and, and actually show them, Hey, that's fine. Here's what it's going to take to get that. You need to convert at 75% and we need to get the cost per click down, you know, under a dollar, which Google's saying right now it's going to cost $2.50 for an average click. We don't think that's realistic. Here's what is realistic. And that's that's honestly a, a pretty common occurrence where we kind of have to, you know, just show people the data and, and make sure it lines up with the expectations. Okay, so for the audience that uh, is considering doing this, define what a click is. Yeah. So a click is just, you know, when, when you see an ad in the Google search results and you click it, that counts as a click. So that advertiser who was showing that ad now just paid for you to get to that website. So that's why things like landing pages are very important. Um, you know, landing pages are standalone pages that should be very specific to that keyword or that, that ad that you were shown. So, you know, taking ourselves as an example, if we're running a paid ad for our PPC services, the last thing we want to do is one, send you to our homepage, semgeeks.com, because there's a million different things you can do there. You can go read our blog. You could listen to our podcast. You can check out our service pages, which are, you know, one of 10. Um, another thing we don't want to do is send you to our web design landing page because you just search for pay-per-click services. So... Seems obvious, sounds obvious, um, but it's, you know, it's, you've got to really be tight with, with everything you have from the keyword to the ad copy to the landing page. Um, you know, we've got to stay on target. So making sure that that journey is as specific as possible. If they're looking for that specific thing, 
we want we want to make sure we're sending them to a page that speaks to that specific thing. Okay, so how do you see video playing into the future of advertising? So I know, obviously, people are making their little videos with iPhones and things like that. How important is it to make a video, and where do you where do you put that video? Video is still very important, and I think it's going to be important for a long time. Um, there's so many different ways to use video. Um, you know, whether that's from a remarketing standpoint, so somebody gets to your site or your landing page and they leave and now they're on YouTube and, you know, before they watch the video that they're on there to watch, you're showing them maybe a quick 10 to 15 second, second video ad for your brand or for your business or something like that. Um, you know, I think video tends to stand out more in a social media newsfeed too, you know, in all of the jargon that's out there, all of the the text posts that are there, and even, you know, the photo posts, and you got the political posts, you've got people trying to sell you things, Um, you know, carousel ads, I I still think video stands out the most in a social media newsfeed. So I think, you know, there's still a big, a big, you know, push for video. Um, But I think it's more or less, how is that video used? And where are you placing it? That's most important. Um, because we can get a ton of eyeballs on on a video, but at the end of the day, what are a ton of eyeballs on a video gonna do for you, right? So, I would say before you know you go out there running video advertising again, it all goes back to what the goal is of that project. Are we trying to get brand awareness behind video? Um, you know, I would say yes because that's where I think you win with video. Um, you're not going to get as many people purchasing a product from a video or filling out a lead generation form from a video. But what you are going to get is people engage with your brand um, and showing them, you know, what you're capable of and putting that brand on their mind now. So now maybe next time they go to go to look for you, they're actually searching for you on Google because they saw your video and now they know the name of your company. Um, But I think too, you know, how that video is shot is a big part of it too. You know, you mentioned, iPhone video. Um, you know, I've seen iPhone videos that, that look decent. I think it, you know, again, it, it depends on what it's being shot for. And I think there's certain spots where iPhone video makes sense. You know, if you're out in the field and you're a construction company or something like that, and you really want to show that nitty gritty, what it's like day on the job or, you know, digging a hole in, in the dirt, iPhone video makes sense, you know, but if you're, you know, a pharmaceutical company and, you know, you're trying to do a really good looking, you know, high end production piece, um, you know, shooting on an iPhone is probably not going to be the way to go. How are you guys going to implement video moving into the future? How do you guys, how do you guys see yourself uh, using that as a tool to promote uh, what you do? Because sometimes it's tough, tough to explain to people the value of what you do because it's just a bunch of numbers and, <laughs> and analytics and things like that. How do you visually represent that uh, through video? We we push brand when it's tied to video. You know, I, I think there's there's no easier way to, to really explain what your company does than through video. Um, whether, you know, whether you're a very technical company or you're, you know, a basic service company, I still think at the end of the day, having a video that really highlights what you do um, is important because you can also highlight the people behind what you do. And that personalization, I think, is where a lot of companies win. Um, so you know, it that, kind of personalizes. Exactly. Okay. That, that personalization, that face-to-face. Um, you know, it's the same thing with, with having a meeting, a face-to-face meeting with a client versus 
on the phone, not being able to put a face to the name, um, you know, when you can kind of show the people behind the company, behind the service, that that helps build up the brand. And I think that's where you win with video. So moving right along here, where do you, so we've talked about the industry, the past, the present. So let's talk about the uh, future of of this industry, what you do, and where, where you see it going and uh, the importance to embrace it instead of resist it. Yeah, I think, I feel like a lot of people resist video because it's it's not easy to produce, right? It's it's a lot easier to snap a photo or to, you know, write, write a blog post maybe than actually produce a video. And I say produce because people always think there has to be large production behind it. And obviously, I mean, you're the video expert. You know that there are some shoots and there are some cases where you do need very large video production, but there's other times where you don't. Um, and I think that that scares off people a lot. And, you know, just talking to a few clients, you know, they, they don't necessarily understand that video can, can be produced. I don't want to say quickly, but maybe more easily than they thought. Um, so I think that's, that's one of the hurdles to get over is really maybe educating people on, Hey, you don't need this giant production crew. You don't need to spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to have a really good looking video. You know, what you need is, is I think, a plan behind that video and a goal of what strategy. you're hoping to exactly, a strategy behind yeah. that video. And it's not just what you want the video to be or, you know, how it's going to be shot or where it's going to be shot, but what are we doing with this video when it's done, too, is a really big part of that. You know, why, why are we creating this you know, video? You know, I find that, you know, somebody will hire us as a production company, spend a lot of money getting a video produced and not really having a plan after the video. They're like, we're just going to put it up on YouTube. There's really... There's not a plan in place as right. to its effectiveness. So, um, and th- that's why it's it's almost um, there's more to it than just producing that video. And obviously, the content's important. Uh, sometimes the production value is not that important. But I think part of that process and what is very important is the journey that video is going to take, and the effectiveness and the messaging and the engagement. So that's that bas- that's basically where, where where your company comes in and I try to tell our clients, "Hey, you know, just because you got a video produced doesn't mean uh, you know, the right eyes are going to see it." So I always I always say this all the time. I said, "We could produce you the most amazing billboard, but if it's sitting out in a cornfield and there's no uh, roads going to, what's the point of it all?" Well, we just want to do a video. And I'm like, "Well, we better have a bigger plan and strategy." And so that's a lot of times I will refer them to your company to right. say, hey, look at, you know, it, you're not only, you know, have to think about getting the video produced, you have to have a strategic plan for it and gauge its its effectiveness. Right. I mean, I think there's a misconception, too, of just we want, right, we want to get a video done. You're going to get a lot many, you know, a lot more assets out of that than just one video. You know what I mean? That that content. And again, you could speak to this more because, you know, you're the video expert you're on site you're producing things but if you're on site to shoot a video let's say you know you're at a a university and they ask for a video to be done now let's say it's a a three minute walk through campus type video they're not coming out of that shoot with just one asset right i mean there's so many shots that are part of that there could be still photography there could be you know that the the footage you captured for that day although it's for a three minute video you probably got you know, how many minutes of footage and how many times can that be cut up into smaller videos for, let's say, 
digital retargeting or for smaller, you know, advertising videos. So I think that's a big thing too of, of, you know, making sure that people understand, you know, you're not just getting a video done. It's, it's a lot more than just a video, one video. You could repurpose that and use it for so many other mm-hmm. um, platforms and avenues to get the message out. And so, and you could have different lengths of videos for different audiences. So, you know, <clears throat> me as an older person listening to Casey Neistat and also Gary V, you know, these are young, young people that uh, have really utilized video and have maximized the effectiveness of, effectiveness of the video. And you see there's some very long videos and, yep. and um, short videos, but what they're doing is they're recording the content and then cutting it up different ways for different types of audience. And Gary V says, you need to be, you need to be putting stuff out constantly on multiple channels because there's people who will like to read books and you have to have some sort of, uh, something to read on your website. And there's people who want to just simply watch a video or listen to a podcast. So each audience, you have to have no resistance for each audience. They have to, you have to be able to cater to all, cater to all those audiences. So, so one of them is, uh, video production. So I guess we're going to wrap this up. Um, I wanted to thank you for coming in. Is there any advice that you can give somebody who's starting to say, you know, we, we should really look into this, uh, this, uh, new way of advertising. And again, you know, for some people will listen to this and say, my God, this sounds like it's 10 years old, but from people who I speak to, and especially in industries that are regulated, things that have to do with law firms and things that have to do with um, the medical field and healthcare. There's a lot of restrictions there as to what they can say and how they can say it, but they're starting to realize they need to compete using this type of technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the first thing I would say I think would be just to have an open mind. Um, you know, there's again, there's a lot of different channels out there and you might not think your consumer's there and, and they might not be, but but let us or let somebody else, you know, show you that they're not there. Let's not assume, let's not guess, let's, you know, let the tools and the data show where these people are to actually get in front of them. Um, and two, you know, I would say come to the table with, with tangible goals in mind. Um, you know, can we help you establish those? Yes, but you know, if you're reaching out to an advertising company or you're trying to jump into to advertising from a digital standpoint, there's got to be a reason why, um, you know, and, and if that reason is, hey, my competitors are doing it, so I want to do it, that's perfectly fine. You know, then, then that's the reason. And from there we go and we establish what those benchmarks are. But, you know, make sure that there's there's a tangible goal or reason in mind for, for jumping into the digital side. And, you know, have an open mind and, and let the data kind of, you know, direct what the strategy should be. Awesome. Great advice. So um, so for people who want to be able to contact you and, hey, you know, you never know, potentially utilize your services, how, to, how does somebody get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can get in touch through, you know, the SEM Geeks website, uh, semgeeks.com. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Pete Shower. Um yeah. All right, Pete. Google. How do you how do you spell that last name, buddy? That is S C H A U E R. Okay. Excellent. So, Pete, um, thank you so much for taking the time to be on this podcast, and hopefully, um, we will continue uh, coming back to your uh, company here and uh, interviewing different people within your company, 
and they'll give some insights as to the value of what you guys do. So my name is Frank Farrell from Custom Video Productions here in Jersey Shore. I thank you for listening. Thank you.